Hey, hello, I'm like in your brain, or in by your ears. Uh, this is just a note to say that the podcast you're about to listen to is brought to you by the dudes at Motorola. Okay, enjoy, dude. G'day, world! 9.10am Wednesday, the 23rd of November, 2005. I've been feeling guilty that I haven't been doing my daily G'day World rant for... uh, It's probably a week now since I've done one. And what a busy week it's been. Of course, I had the David Weinberger interview about this time last week, which um, hopefully... You all went and had a listen to, because he's a much smarter guy than me and and vastly more articulate. And uh, it was a really interesting chat, you know, after talking to Dave. If you did hear the show, you hear towards the end, he started talking about his concerns for the future of the internet and how he was feeling pretty pessimistic about the success of it, uh, like what was going to happen in the future. I was kind of, uh, you know, I I didn't blow him off, because you don't blow a guy like David Weinberger off, but, you know, I I, I was, I guess I've always really believed that this thing isn't, can't be regulated and can't be shut down. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I fully expect the record industry to try and stop you know what's happening with peer-to-peer and the move towards a new form of business model for the music business i i fully expect them to try i fully expect them to fail but i expect them to try and you know i fully expect uh, the movie industry to try and stop what's going to happen to them in the television industry i fully expect radio to try and stop what's happening at the moment with podcasting but i never really for once seriously questioned whether or not the internet would be here tomorrow or, or five years or ten years from now I've been working in the internet business now since about 95 you know ten years and never once in that time have I really questioned whether or not it was going to be around so when Dave Weinberger started talking about the fact that he was very pessimistic uh, it, it sort of shocked me it took me by surprise and I kind of gave him my usual response you know nah we'll, we'll figure out a way around it you know But he referred to an article that his uh, mate Doc Searles had written in Linux Journal uh, magazine last week. So I went and checked it out um, after speaking to David, and I tell you, scared the hell out of me, people. If you haven't been to read this yet, um, do it. It's called Saving the Net, How to Keep the Carriers from Flushing the Net Down the Tube. Now, it's it's a quite a lengthy article. Uh, I think Doc said it's probably the lengthiest thing he's written online. But it's definitely worth the read. It um, opened my eyes to a bunch of things that are going on in the U.S. In particular, I think it's also happening in Europe. And if it happens in the U.S., it's going to happen right around the world, right? Um, let me just read you a little bit of this. He says, Are you ready to see the net privatised from the bottom to the top? Are you ready to see the net's free and open marketplace sucked into a pit of pipes built and fitted by the phone and cable companies and run according to rules lobbied by the carrier and content industries? Do you believe a free and open market should be your choice of walled garden or your choice of silo? That's what the big carrier and content companies believe. That's why they're getting ready to fence off the frontiers and we're not stopping it. 
With the purchase and reanimation of AT&T's remains, the collection of former baby bells called SBC will become the largest communications company in the US, the new Mar Bell. Verizon, comprised of the old GTE plus MCI and the baby bells SBC didn't grab, is the new Par Bell. That's one side of the battlefield called the regulatory environment. Across the battlefield from Mar and Par Bell are the cable and entertainment giants, Comcast, Cox, Time Warner and so on. Covering the battle are the business and tech media which love a good fight. The problem is that all of these battling companies, plus the, plus the regulators, hate the net. Maybe hate is too strong a word. The thing is, they're hostile to it because they don't get it. Worse, they only get it in one very literal way. See, to the carriers and their regulators, the net isn't a world, a frontier, a marketplace, or a commons. To them, the net is a collection of pipes. Their goal is to beat the other pipe owners. To do that, they want to sell access and charge for traffic. There's nothing wrong with being in the bandwidth business, of course, but some of these big boys want to go further with it. They don't see themselves as a public utility selling a pure base-level service such as water or electricity, which is what they are, by the way, in respect to the net. They see themselves as a source of many additional value adds inside the pipes. They see opportunities to sell solutions to industries that rely on the net, especially their natural partner, the content industry. They see a problem with freeloaders. On the tail end of the power curve, those loaders are AOL, Google, Microsoft, Yahoo, and other large sources of the container cargo we call content. Out of the long tail, the freeloaders are you and me. The big loaders have been getting a free ride for too long and are going to need to pay. The information highway isn't the freaking interstate. It's a system of private roads that need to start charging tolls. As for the small loaders, it hardly matters that they're a boundless source of invention, innovation, vitality and new business. To the carriers, we are all just still consumers and we always will be. And he goes on and on and on. Now... I tell you, it's uh, it's a scary read. It's so scary that I shot Doc an email and invited him back onto G'day World to take us through it step by step, and he's agreed. So Doc's going to be coming on the show uh, Wednesday morning, my time next week, I think it is. Wednesday or Thursday, I'm not sure. I can't remember. But uh, stay tuned for that because, uh, you know, I mean, for one, it's Doc Searles. <laughs> but uh, secondly, this is this is an issue that I think... We all need to uh, really get our heads around and start uh, coming together and fighting the fight in a much smarter and better way. And, and as he goes on to say, we need to you know, get behind and continue to support the uh, organisations like the Electronic Frontier Foundation, etc. But... Um, there's, there's a, you know, you can just imagine the consequences if these businesses, who he rightly, rightly says, the, the, the telcos, the content companies, and the government all hate the internet. They hate what this is doing. You know, they, they invested hundreds of billions of dollars in building this thing out over the last ten years, in particular, thinking that they were going to figure out a way to control it, to monetize it. And, you know, as every year goes on, I think they're realising more and more that they can't control this thing. In fact, this is enabling their competition. And uh, they're finally waking up that the only thing they can do is really to, you know, shut it down and, or, you know, regulate it, cap it, um, hamstring it as much as possible. There's no way they're going to just, you know, sit there and allow the pipes that they rolled out to uh, enable services which white ant their revenues and their share price. They're just not going to do it. I think for the last 10 years, we've been lucky because they've had their heads up their asses and thought that they could figure out how to control this thing. They didn't realise what they were building. They were building their own demolition, their own destruction. So it's going to start 
start um, with them shutting down Skype. And as Weinberger said on the G'day World cast last week, you know, as they these guys use the legislators that they own and the judges that they own, because they've bought and paid for these guys many times over, they will justify some of the early ways that they start to limit the net in, you know, words like, it'll involve things about terrorism. Oh, well, you know, we have discovered that uh, terrorists are using Skype to plot threats to the United States, so we need to shut down Skype. Uh, We need to shut down voice over IP. We need to be able to track it all, and that's best done through these telcos. It'll be shit like that, guys. Um, This has happened a million times before, and... uh, that's the way that you attack freedoms. It's like boiling a frog, as the old saying goes. You chuck a frog. The way you boil a frog is you don't throw it in a pot of boiling hot water because it just jumps back out. You chuck it in a pot of cold water and slowly turn the heat up so its body adjusts to the temperature and it doesn't notice until it's boiled alive. That's the way they take away freedoms, people. Anyway, go read that article by Doc, uh, Saving the Net, Doc Searles. Google that and you will find it or you'll find a link to it off of my blog. What else has been happening in the last week since we spoke? Um, there was a great... Uh, some stats I found on Chris Anderson, who's the uh, editor of Wide Magazine and the guy who popularised the term the long tail. But as David Weinberger pointed out to me on the show, Chris didn't invent it. He, uh, it was a Clay Shirky term. Well, it's an economist term, but Clay Shirky was the guy who first started talking about it. Um, there were some great stats uh, last week on Chris Anderson's blog about uh, statistics for mainstream media. It says, uh, you know, the, I, I think this is particularly the United States stats, but they apply globally. You know, what, what happens in the U.S. with this pretty much applies around the world, right? The numbers might be slightly different, but the trends are going to be the same. Uh, box office down 7% this year. Tickets per capita have fallen every year since 2001. Newspapers, circulation, which peaked in 1987, is declining faster than ever and is down another 2.6% so far this year. Music, sales are down another 56 7% this year, although digital downloads, which is still just 6% of the business, are climbing nicely. Amazing that digital downloads are 6% of the business. I mean, you know, digital downloads really didn't exist as a revenue model for them uh, a couple of years ago, and now it's 6% of the business. That's fucking amazing. You know, they, These guys should be getting down on their knees and thanking whichever bloody entity they uh, pray to every day of their lives for Steve Jobs, right? It's not going to continue, uh, but you know, the, the net impact is going to be devastating on their industry as we start to figure out new business models. By the way, uh, uh, check out the www.thepodcastnetwork.com slash rock. My mate Ewan Spencer, who's been doing the rock show since the beginning of the year and does a fucking great job. Every week he comes up with half hour of fabulous, independent, fully independent, uh, great rock music. He's just uh, He normally puts it out on a Friday and he's just started putting out a midweek show that's called Rock Again, where he goes into the archives and plays one of the greatest hits from TPN Rock. Go check it out. It's good stuff. I think this week the first one is um, ADD, which is a which is a great band that we, we he's played a couple of times on the show. Um, radio, down 4% this year alone, continuing a multi-decade decline. Books, down by 7% in 2004. Um... Mixed DVDs sales growth is slowing dramatically from 29% last year to single digits this year. Man, that's a massive drop. Well, I wonder what's uh, 
you know, I wonder what that's got to do. I wonder if it's because they're discounting. I wonder if that's revenue, sales revenue growth, or actually units. He, uh, he's got a link here to the detail, but I haven't gone and read it. It's in Business Week. TV, total viewership is still rising, but as channels proliferate and the audience fragments, the ratings of the average show continues to decline. And this is a theme you've heard me talk about a lot. It's just going to continue as we have, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of free video options starting to get produced and distributed over the internet. Oh, by the way, if you're in Melbourne, and I know most of you aren't, but if you're in Melbourne... I'm speaking at this event uh, next week, next uh, Monday, I think it is, Film Victoria Financing Summit. Uh, I'm going to be speaking, I'm going to be on the panel of a session called Out of the Box, which is on at uh, 4.45pm on Monday the 28th of November. Uh, the setup for this session is the digital revolution is in full swing, so how can producers take advantage of new media platforms, branded content, digital delivery and multi-channeling? So I'm going to be uh, there telling them all to start funneling all of their creative energy into stuff that can be distributed over the net. Uh, getting back to Chris Anderson's stuff, uh, magazines, ad revenues are up a bit, although the number of ad pages is flat. Circulation is also flat, while newsstand sales are at an all-time low. Video games, it's the final few months of the current generation of consoles, which tends to the trough of the buying cycle. Sales were down 20% September, but will probably pick up by Christmas with the launch of the Xbox 360, which, of course, has launched in the US now and uh, will be launching in Australia sometime in the next decade. Uh, but up internet advertising banners up 10% this year keywords Google revenues up 96% holy crap and as I added in my blog podcasting revenues advertising revenues up well I don't know I set up a thousand percent but we've gone from zero to you know quite healthy revenues in the last couple of months thank you very much so uh, we're expecting a really good year for podcast advertising what else has been on my mind recently? Um, there was a great article I read yesterday. It's in the latest edition of Rolling Stone magazine, written by author James Bamford, who's the author of the books uh, Pretext for War, 9-11, Iraq and the Abuse of America's Intelligence Agencies, and Body of Secrets, Anatomy of the Ultra-Secret National Security Agency. This article uh, called The Man Who Sold the War is uh, fascinating. It's about a guy called John Rendon, who's the CEO of uh, the Rendon Group, based out of uh, Washington in the US, I think. And they're defined by Wikipedia as being a secretive public relations firm that has assisted a number of US military inventions in nations including Argentina, Colombia, Haiti, uh, Iraq, Kosovo, Panama, and Zimbabwe. Rendon's activities include organizing the Iraqi National Congress... Now, let's just think about that for a moment. The Iraqi National Congress was invented by a PR group hired by the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, and the Bush White House. (laughs) Go figure. I mean, this stuff should be obvious, but, you know, it still surprises me. Even after all the bloody books I've read over the years and the shit that I've thought about and read, it still surprises the hell out of me when I realize this. So, um... Basically, this is a fascinating article. This guy, Rendon, they estimate um, since 2001 has taken between 50 and $100 million in PR contracts out of the U.S. government to orchestrate the entire perception management campaign of the Iraq invasion. 
Um, and the, some of the other interesting stuff that came out of this was the involvement of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, the ABC. God love them. There's your eight cents a day, people, for the Aussies listening to this. Um, and the way that they were involved through one of their contract journalists, Paul Moran, who worked for the Rendon Group, as well as being a freelance uh, photojournalist, to basically uh, build justification for the war. See, the, the way that Rendon did a lot of this stuff uh, early on, you know, after September 2001, was by not going direct to the US media in a lot of cases, although they did with people like Judith Miller. It was going to the media in friendly countries like the UK and Australia, getting their media agencies to run stories and then letting the US media sort of pick it up. So it looked like, oh, well, all these other countries are saying that, you know, we should go to war with Saddam, so it's okay. Very, very clever stuff. Unfortunately, Paul Moran, uh, Paul Moran, the Aussie who um, was part of this Machiavellian machination, got killed very early on in the invasion. He was actually killed by a car bomb in March 2003, uh, which is quite ironic. Uh, you know, from reading his website, it sounds like he was a, a, a fabulous bloke too, but um, you know, was involved with this Rendon group, which uh, you know, I guess is probably not doing anything morally wrong or, or ethically wrong or illegal, but you know, it's important that we all understand that what we get told by our governments and what we get told by the media, you can't take as prima facie uh, truisms, you know, there's this stuff is, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year to orchestrate the way that we perceive things, to give us certain bits of information. And for example, this story that um, Paul Moran did in October, in, um, oh, when did he do it? Uh, uh, I don't know, 2002, early 2003, as part of the justification for the war. He did an interview uh, with an Iraqi dissident called Adnan Saeed Hadieri, Hideri, uh, who basically was saying that uh, he knew where Saddam was hiding, all the holes in the desert where Saddam was hiding all of his biochemical WMDs and nuclear developments, etc., etc., so they did an interview with this guy, Miranda did an interview with this guy, and Judith Miller did an interview for this with this guy in the New York Times, etc. The only problem was, this, this guy, Hyderi, the Iraqi dissident, the informant, failed a CIA polygraph test when he told the CIA his story on December 17th, 2001, 16 months before the invasion of Iraq, this guy, who, between him and Ahmed Shalabi, who, and both of these guys, you know, worked for the Iraqi National Congress, which was set up by the Rendon Group, but, the, but this guy failed a CIA lie detector test, telling all this shit, and everybody knew about it. The CIA knew about it, the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, the White House, they all knew that this guy was lying, but they took his information anyway and spread it to the media, and uh, now, you know, the interesting thing about this article is that it isn't written by Noam Chomsky. It isn't something Michael Moore is saying about it. It isn't appearing in some sort of lefty publication. This is Rolling Stone magazine, people. This is about as populist as you can get. This isn't the Rolling Stone of Hunter S. Thompson's day, right? This is uh, 2005 Rolling Stone, which isn't known as the bastion of investigative journalism, let's be honest, anymore. But uh, this is popular stuff. Now, what the hell are we doing about it? We know without a shadow of a doubt. I'm saying this to the people 
people in the USA, the UK and Australia in particular. We know our governments fucking lied to us, people. They lied to us straight out about why we sent troops to war in Iraq. They lied. There is no doubt. Nobody with half a brain thinks that there was, you know, real justification, apart from, yeah, he had oil and we wanted it. That was the justification, people. Now, fuck me. What do we do? And we've all voted these people back in. Blair, Bush and Howard have all got voted back in since then. What are we going to do? We need to draw a line in the sand. I, I'm no lefty. But we... Uh, what we can't have our politicians fucking lying to us, using the media as the vehicle for manipulating the population, and then just let them get away with it. What uh, and voting them out isn't isn't enough. We can't just vote them out and say, well, that taught them a lesson because it's not. In democracies, we have to have a, a higher bar for the way that our politicians respond. We we. I don't know what to do, apart from set up my own political party and, and try and punish all these guys for war crimes, because that's really what it is. The, you know, the estimates are that there are between tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to even millions of innocent men, women and children who had died in Afghanistan and Iraq over the last 10, 15 years. And if you take the... Uh, you know, all of the economic sanctions that were applied to Iraq in the 90s, plus, you know, the bombings and sh the invasion that's happened in the last four or five years. Hundreds of thousands to millions of people, depending on whose estimates you take, of innocent men, women and children. We're not talking about soldiers here. I'm talking about civilians that have been killed. What are we going to do about it? These, all these governments need to be tried for war crimes as far as I'm concerned. Fuck these guys. Um, you know, just and adding to the whole Iraq thing, something else I picked up in the press in the last week um, was a BBC article saying that the US has now admitted to using white phosphorus as a weapon in Fallujah last year in Iraq. Uh, they, they denied it at the time, and now they've uh, confessed to it. Now... I didn't know a lot about this, but when you look it up, white phosphorus is a highly flammable uh, substance that ignites on contact with oxygen. If the substance hits a person's body, it will burn until deprived of oxygen. Uh, the globalsecurity.org, a defense website, says phosphorus burns on the skin are deep and painful. These weapons are particularly nasty because white phosphorus continues to burn until it disappears. It could burn right down to the bone. These are the weapons that the U.S. Uh, were using in Iraq. Uh, these are your soldiers. This is your... This is... Fuck. Your responsibility, people. We need to mobilise. You know, the internet's getting fucking shut down. Where governments are killing innocent men, women and children, torturing them in prisons. Uh, these are our countries. I'm... I'm... I don't know. It's amazing. One last thing before I go and let you get on with your day. Uh, I went to an Australian sort of seminar last week that was run by Slattery IT uh, called Rewind Fast Forward, I think was the name of the event. Basically had a bunch of internet, on, on, internet entrepreneurs from uh, the late 90s in Australia uh, up on stage talking about the internet, what happened, where are we now and where we're going to go in the course of the next decade. Um, you know, all, all due respect to, to Rachel Slattery for putting these things on. You know, she does a great job of running these events. Um, very, very professionally done. Not her fault. But the, the guys that got up on stage, you know, well, the, 
the first thing I noticed when I went to this room is everybody in the room had a suit and tie on, which uh, would never have been allowed back in the day, right? If, if this event had been run in 96, 97, 98, everyone would have had black jeans, black shirt, black boots. I had a suit on, I will confess, but at least I had an open neck shirt. That's my uh, one sort of rebellion. But all these guys are running mature boring businesses now you know they either aren't doing the dot com anymore that they were doing in the late 90s they you know they failed basically let's call it as it is or or you know they are but it's morphed into something that's very very boring very mature very mundane a couple of the guys are doing wireless stuff uh david gold who's the ceo of azure wireless is one of our partners was there but david um, didn't didn't say much when he was on his panel um david spence one of my old bosses from the aussie mail days is now running a company called unwired they're rolling out wireless stuff david said some good stuff uh david spence that is he uh stuck it to telstra a couple of times and said that we need to be very careful of what telstra are trying to do they're going to try and you know as they have always done prevent innovation and try and hold back the country but uh all in all you know i thought the event was a little bit kind of boring i thought I asked the question at one stage. There was a panel that were talking about advertising and marketing and creating the buzz. And I, I in the Q and A section, I asked them about blogs and podcasts and RSS and what they thought was going to happen with advertising in those. And in fact, one of them said, uh, a couple of people on the panel said they didn't really know what I was talking about and <laughs> they didn't know what Technorati was and they they didn't really know what podcasting was. And uh, so that was sort of the audience (laughs) it was pretty scary shit I tell you alright well I'm out of here also don't forget the uh, 12 month anniversary edition of G'day World will be up next week still really don't know what we're going to do for that Mick um, you know is really just a sock puppet as I'm sure most of you know never really existed so Molly get off of it what does this bring Mick back fucking thing that you're running on your site man he's a sock puppet I was doing the voice yeah g'day Kim it was just that mate it's no real Mick, you should know that. Have you ever met him? No. I just took a photo of Bono and uh, made up a voice. But anyway, let's see what happens next week. Uh, don't forget to tune into Doc Searles. And go check out the rest of the great TPN shows. Got a few new shows launching. Go talk to you soon. Hey. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, from the beginning. That's right. I'm back at the end. I waited around for the entire podcast just to tell you that it was brought to you by Motorola. Yeah, dude. I gotta get some nachos. I am so hungry. Are there any near your house? The podcast network. Real power can't be given. It must be taken.